Good evening, and welcome to another spooky episode of Kodo Cinema, the podcast show where I talk about movies. I bid you welcome as your host, the man, the myth, the horror, the legend, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Well, here we are, another episode of Kodo Cinema for Kodo Cinema Horror Month. And for this episode, I'm going to talk about Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Boy, oh boy, we got ourselves a good one, folks. I mean, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride is definitely a good one. This is his, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say it's his first animated feature film. I mean, he he actually, he, he his first animated feature film was uh, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. However, he didn't direct The Nightmare Before Christmas. It was a uh, Henry Selleck. So, technically... Tim Burton's Corpse Bride is his first ever animated feature film to be in the director's chair for. This is Tim Burton's third time being involved in an animated feature film. However, I should say this. This is his third stop-motion animated feature film that he was involved in. I mean, besides Nightmare Before Christmas, he was involved as a producer for um, James and the Giant Peach, to which uh, Henry Selleck also direct at, directed too. So, um, so Tim Burton's Corpse Bride is Tim Burton's third ever stop motion animated feature film to ever work on in in the stop motion animated feature film category. However, Corpse Bride is Tim Burton's first ever stop motion animated feature film to be in the director's chair for. So the film came out in 2005. And uh, Tim Burton, yes, he directed, directed the film. But of course, he had Mike Johnson on board. With a screenplay written by John August, Caroline Thompson, and Pamela Pettler. And then uh, Tim Burton was also involved in creating the characters, along with Carlos Grangel. Tim Burton produced the film as well, alongside with Allison Abate. And of course, it, it stars Johnny Depp and Helena Bohm Carter. I will tell you this, like, I have seen multiple Tim Burton films before. I I've seen I have seen a lot of Tim Burton films in my uh, in my lifetime. I've seen Beetlejuice, the first two uh, Batman movies with Michael Keaton, I was reading Nightmare Before Christmas, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, the live action Dumble remake, Dark Shadows. I mean, this guy's been making films left and right. I mean, he has made a lot of films. Actually, going back to uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for a sec. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out the same year as Corpse Bride, and in fact, uh, Tim Burton went back and forth between Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Corpse Bride. It was actually produced simultaneously, so they had to go back and forth. So, so basically, they had to go back and forth between the between the films. The film Corpse Bride took place at Three Mills Studios in East London, and it was shot with Canon. EOS 1D Mark II DSLR cameras rather than the 35mm film cameras used for Burton's previous stop motion films, Nightmare Before Christmas, because in the Nightmare Before Christmas he used a 35mm film camera that he used on the, on the Nightmare Before Christmas, and the rest is basically history. Although, of course, as I mentioned, you already got Johnny Depp and Helena Bohm Carter on board. And then you also have you also have uh, Emily Watson, Tracy Ullman, Paul Whitehouse, jo- Joanna Lumley, Albert Finney, Richard E. Grant, Christopher Lee, Michael Goff, among many others, including Deep Roy. Also, Danny Elfman also plays a character in this movie as well, but 
He's also contributed to writing the music for most of Tim Burton's films, including Corpse Bride as well. So, so yeah, that's so that's basically your lineup of this. That's basically the the lineup of this movie. So I'm gonna break down this movie according to plan. Let me dive on into Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. So the film opens up in an unnamed Victorian era town. And the film features um, Victor Van Dort, who is being voiced by Johnny Depp. Now, Victor Van Dort is the son of a of a nouveau riche fish merchant. And, of course, uh, Victor Van Dort, he's going to get married to Victoria Everglot, who is the neglected daughter of the impoverished aristocrats, prepare, preparing for their arranged marriage which will simultaneously raise the social class of the Van Dort family and restore the wealth of the Everglot family according to plan. So that's how the film opens up. But part of how, but the way how this film opens up, like it it gives you a little bit of a world building too. Like part of this film is black and white. Like the opening it's like it's it's so gloomy and depressing, especially uh, Victor Van Dort. He is he's depressed, but he's also at the same time He's shy as well, like Victor Van, Do like Victor Van Dort. He's a timid but good-natured young man, and as I mentioned, he's going to get engaged to Victoria Everglot for social and financial reasons because Victor Van Dort is basically the son of um, Novu Riche fish merchant's uh, father because his father runs a uh, fish merchant business. And uh, what I really like about this opening is that, like. Victor is drawing this butterfly. Like, it opens up very well. He's drawing this butterfly in this book, to which he also keeps a butterfly for himself. It's it's a it's a blue butterfly. I, I don't know what spe butterfly species is it, it is, but, um, but I know it is a blue butterfly. You get this depressing music from Danny Elfman. Like, it's depressing, but also whimsical as well. And, it's, and, it, and it really fits the opening very well, because Victor is very shy. A bit depressed, a bit depressing too, but he's... But he is a a kind-hearted man as well. Literally, like he's a he he shows kindness. Like 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 when he sets the butterfly the butterfly free. Like he sets this blue butterfly free from his house in into the open world, where we see um this village this this entire village. So that you get this world building for for this movie, and it's it's pretty good. It's a small Victorian era like village, and for the most part, it is it's very gothic, as with as with most Tim Burton movies. But also a little depressing too. We also get introduced to a uh, con artist who is uh, walking, who's just like who's just walking around town, and his name is um, Lord Barkus Bittern, who is a con artist and he's a, he's a charming con artist and he's just walking around town he's basically and he's being voiced by uh, Richard E Grant and and this character this character I will say this I get that he's basically your stereotypical charming man who 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 has done nothing who has done nothing nothing wrong but unfortunately he has done something he's, he his reveal there is a reveal that he has done something that is real bad but I'll get to more of, of that later for uh, Lord for Lord Barkus. But anyway, anyway, um, we 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 get a but anyway we get a musical number we we get a musical number, the first musical number of the film from uh, Danny Elfman and it's, and it's called According to Plan. So it's a musical number it's a musical number that Danny Elfman wrote and it sets up 
and it sets up the plot and it sets up the scene very well like 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 it sets up very well because uh victor's parents are helping victor you know to get married and they're they're going to the Everglot house which is actually right across the which is actually right across the street <laughs> But hey, he's. But I mean, I don't understand why they're going in the carriage. They're going in this carriage just so they could go across the street to the Everglades, even though like they could have just walked, which is um, which is a nitpick of mine. But hey, whatever. At the same time, the musical number is very good. I mean, like the first lyric alone is saying, "It's a beautiful day. It's a rather nice day. A day for a glorious wedding." First of all. <laughs> First of all, it's it's very gloomy outside, but you know, it's I know I get it. It's a song, you know what I'm saying? But I get it, I get, but I get it, I get it. It's a song, but even though it's gloomy outside, but you know what I'm saying? Hey, at least it wasn't raining. It wasn't raining during that time, so I'll get I'll I'll give uh, Danny Elfman that. So so they're going. So basically, they're they're basically doing this rehearsal, a, a wedding rehearsal. It's a wedding rehearsal they're going to. And what really sets this moment up is where, like, we see Victor's parents first, and then we also zoom on into the Everglots, which is a Victoria Everglots family who are being who's uh, who are being played by uh, Joanna Lumley and, and Albert Finney. Joanna Lumley plays Lady Maudlin Everglots, who is Victoria's abusive, large-chinned, unloving mother. While Albert Finney is um, Lord Finney. Phineas Everglot, Everglot, Victoria's abusive, toad, un, like unloving barren father. So, yeah, it's, it's, that's, it really shows that Victoria's parent, Victoria's parents are are not the best parents. But of course, I mean, you could also make the argument that Victor's parents are not all are not the the best either. Even though Vic, Victor's even though Victor's parents are more, they're they're a lot more kinder than Victoria's parents, if you know what I'm saying. But but anyway, like both of these parents, like during this musical number, like the the, the lyric, the main lyric was basically the title is according to plan. They're they're doing this rehearsal, they're setting up this wedding rehearsal just so um just so uh, Victor and Victoria could get married because obviously obviously it's one of those eras where um. Where a couple is is being arranged for marriage, and this is basically for um for a social class, you know, like one family, like a family, like one family is poor, then the other family is rich, so they're getting married, they're getting married, just so they could get like those 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 riches, the the money, you know, that social class thing. So that's what this musical number is describing, like according to plan. So anyway, the song ends, and then. The Van Dorts and the Everglots walk inside this huge uh, mansion, which is basically the uh, which is the Everglot Mansion. They all introduce themselves, and one of my favorite moments from that scene is when um, Victoria's father struggles to smile. Like like Victoria's mom is like, "Smile, darling, smile," and it's pretty funny too. It's pretty funny too when it comes to the to Victoria's father trying to smile. He's like. Eh. Well, hello there. Welcome to this, uh, welcome to this house. Like, you see, like, he barely smiles. Like, one side of his lip is down, while the other side of his lip is basically up. <laughs> like, he's pretending to smile. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Has Victoria's father ever smiled? Is that, what, is that what's going on in that scene? <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, um... 
going to uh, Victor's parents for a sec. Uh, Victor's parents are being played uh, by um, Paul. By, they're being like Victor's parents are being played by by Paul Whitehouse and Tracy Ullman. Victor and Victoria's parents continue to have this uh, conversation. They go into the like the parents go into the other room to keep on uh, to keep on talking according to plan, basically to discuss about the wedding plans and the rehearsal and all that and all that. And Victor walks over to a piano and he st he plays the piano for a bit. And and the song it is Victor's uh, song, but what Victor is playing. He's playing a uh, piano piano sonata number fourteen, which was written by uh, Ludwig von Beethoven, and it's and it's written in C sharp minor. It's got that arpeggio to it. It's in it's in C sharp minor for those for those of you who may or may not for those of you who may or may not know about this song. And it's a it, it starts off in a C sharp minor, and it and it's a, and, and it's in an arpe and it's arpeggiated, which is basically arpeggio. And arpeggio, which is a uh, music term, it is described as a was as a broken chord in which the notes that compose a chord are individually sounded in a progressive, rising or descending order. So that's what you're hearing from this uh, piano from this uh, pi for this uh, piano for this piano composition that Victor is playing, and it's very good. So Victoria hears Victor's performance, and she comes down she comes downstairs and. She's being played by em Emily Watson, and she comes downstairs and um, in well, obviously she interrupts. <laughs> she interrupts uh, Victor's um, piano perform piano performance, and and although the two are nervous, like they like they're nervous. It's like they they, they it's like they see, they have they have met. It's like they're meeting for the very first time because it's hinted at the beginning. It's like. While while driving with his parents in that carriage to the Everglock Mansion, Victor's like, well, it's like we we never we never met. Like, wouldn't she marry to a a lord a lord or something? Like, like what if she doesn't like like what if she doesn't like me? I mean, what will happen? Like that's the whole that's the whole that's the whole manner that that like that's the thing that Victor mentions like something like that in the movie like like what if uh, Victoria doesn't like Victor? But at the same time, like they're both very nervous because they never met. They never met, and they do in this scene for the very first time. They they are nervous at first, and they they fall in love instantly when they met. So this is like this is like love at first sight. This is like this is like love at first sight for what's happening in this scene. However, the um, however, like uh, Victoria's mom shows up, and and she was like, "What on earth is going on?" You two are not should not be alone together. Come, we gotta get this wedding rehearsal going. So basically, Victor and Victoria go in. I mean, wow, it sounds like a tongue. It sounds like a tongue twister. Victor, Victoria, Victor, Victoria. Doesn't that sound like a tongue twister? You got two different characters with Vic in it. You got Victoria and Victor. Doesn't that doesn't that sound like a tongue twister to you? Maybe maybe it's just me, but I'm just saying. But anyway, but anyway, Victor and Victoria go into the other hall for the wedding rehearsal, and um, the two are standing in front of this pastor. His name is Pastor Coswells. He's being voiced by Christopher Lee, and Christopher Lee he does a very good job. In fact, all the voice actors do a very good job with the roles. Like they do a very good job. Like all the actors do a very good job with the roles. With with the roles, and 
And going back to Pastor Coswell, going to, going back to Pastor Goswell's or, Co, or Coswell's or, or Goswell's, for or is it Goswell's? Is yeah, it is Goswell's. Goswell, yeah, it is Goswell's. Like going to Pastor Goswell's, like Pastor Goswell's is a haughty and bad-tempered priest who is hired to conduct Victor and Victoria's wedding ceremony. Like, like he's in this, like he's in, he's in this room. I'm pretty sure it's basically. Uh, they're basically in this room doing this wedding rehearsal and and the pastor pastor is basically telling Victor to like read the vows like the like to like say these vows like with this candle I will light your way through darkness with this hand I will lift your sorrows with this ring I ask you to be mine I forgot what the I forgot what the rest of the vows were but the, like those are the, those are some of the vows that are said in this in this in this very scene and Victor struggles with this. Like, he doesn't remember his vows. Because, like I said, this is him getting arranged to be married. Like, this is him get this is him in an arrange in a well, obviously in a rehearsal for an arranged marriage. And and everybody in this room, like everybody in this room are not impressed. Well well actually Victor and, and Victor's parents are like Okay, 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 okay. Well, he's strong a little bit, but okay. But Victoria's parents looked at Victor and were like, "What's this young man doing? Is he screwing up everything?" <laughs> oh my goodness! Victor is struggling with this situ in this situation, and and the pastor is like, "Oh my goodness! Why did I get hired to do this?" Like the pastor just, just he's just standing there. He's just standing there with a stern look and. He loses his temper on Victor because v Victor struggles with his vows. Like, like the pastor is like, "Do you wish to be married?" And Victor's like, "No, no, 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 no." Of course, I mean, yes. I mean, no, no, no. Like, this is all. This is <laughs> this ends up in disaster for Victor. It gets interrupted by Lord Barkus. Like, Lord Barkus walks on in, saying, "Apparently, I'm a day early for the ceremony." Yeah, sure, you're a day early, Lord Barkus. Like. <laughs> Like, he just, he just, he walks on in, he walks on in so calmly, like, as if he was a perfect gentleman. Like, he just walks on in just to see the, this, just to watch the whole rehearsal fall into flames. Speaking of which, speaking of which, it, do, it does for a little bit when uh, Victor drops the ring from, from his hand. It, 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 it rolls on into, um... Victoria's mom and he grabs the ring from Victoria's mom like it went under the under the skirts and Victoria's mom and wow wow I mean like wow 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 Tim Burton like wow wow <laughs> there are like moments in this film where it goes over the heads of many people if you know what I'm saying and then what happens next is like Victor accidentally lights like lights the dress on fire just basically the lower part of the dress it's like it's 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 up in flames and everybody's trying to find a way to put it out. Even the pastor who's holding the the book, he closes it and he gets his look. He has a look on his face of like, oh my goodness, I I'm done with this. And then Lord Barkus just walks on in, pours wine on the dress just to extinguish the fire. What comes next is the pastor is like, enough. This wedding cannot go on until he is until Victor is properly prepared. Like he looks at Victor, points at him as well, and, he's, and he says. Young man, learn your vows. And Victor's parents, including um Victoria's parents, all look at Victor in their scowlful, sternful face in, in a scowlful way. And Victor just leaves. Victor just leaves. That's what he does. He leaves. And and 
And Lord Bark, and it cuts back to Lord Bark and says, Whoa, I will definitely say, he's quite the catch. Like, oh my goodness. Like, Lord Barkus was able to catch on to this disaster of a rehearsal, I should say. <laughs> oh, that is messed up. I mean, to be fair, Victor did screw himself over, but he did screw up everything in, in this rehearsal. Like, like, yeah. So anyway, he he's outside. He, he is standing outside. He's basically standing outside on this bridge. Like, like he, he is depressed. Like, he's depressed. He is so depressed. And upset at the fact that he screwed up the whole rehearsal, all because he couldn't remember his vowels. And and Victor is like, oh man, I can't believe I did this. Like, like what, what? Like what's next? Is there anything bad that can happen next? What comes next is is this um is this Victorian news reporter who who has a bell in his hand and he's like, hurry, hurry, the, the whole wedding rehearsal fell, falls in chaos. Victor just hears all of it, all because he says, what will happen next? What, what, is there anything bad that can happen next? And then you get this news reporter who's just basically, who's just basically ringing his bell saying, hear me, hear me, wedding rehearsals, wedding rehearsal and disaster. And he sees Victor on the bridge because uh, Victor is the only uh, individual outside for now. But it's nighttime anyway. I mean, it's nighttime, so it would make sense because the, the rest of the village are probably uh, fast asleep in their homes. By the way, doesn't that news reporter look like a bell to you? Like, his whole costume and design looks like an actual bell. Pretty much makes sense since he has a bell in his hands, tolling along to spread the news, to spread, to bring, to spread news to the village, if you know what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, Victor walks into the forest all alone, and he tries to remember his vows for a bit. He believes that he, he has become such a fool. Like, that's what Victor thinks. Like, Victor thinks he's such a fool, he can't remember his lines. Pretty much explains why the rehearsal ended in disaster. So, but then, for a moment, he remembers to think positive. He brings up the courage to remember his vows. And, and for the moment, it seems as though as he remembered his vows. He pretends that he's at this rehearsal, thinking that the tree branches and the tree stump are basically the everglots. And... It seems as though Victor's got it. Victor has remembered his vows, and he's being confident. For once, he's being confident. Instead of this, instead of him being this timid, shy, and depressed uh, uh, person that he is, even though he is well, he is well mannered and kind hearted. But at the same time, he's starting to bring up. He he's he's got courage now. Now he's got courage because he just remembered his vows. And then the final moment comes in when he pulls out his ring and puts it on a on a tree on a tree branch pretending that it's victoria's hand saying the final bow with this ring i ask you to be mine and that's all that and that's it but unfortunately what victor doesn't know is that he just put a ring on the hand of a corpse because because what comes next is is the corpse bride rising from the dead like she's coming out of the grave like she's floating, it's like she's floating out of the grave as if as she is ascending into the real world. And once she heard Victor's vows, she says, I do. Like, Victor doesn't realize what he was doing. Like, yes, he remembered his vows, but what he doesn't realize, he doesn't know that this was a, cor this was a corpse that he, 
that he that he brought back to life. Like Victor runs away from this from this corpse. Like the like, he runs away from the corpse. Although he gets bumped in, he gets bumped into several different objects. He he gets bumped into a tree. He slips on ice, and then once he re once he gets to the bridge, like he thought he's he thought he that he thought he escaped the corpse bride. But no, the corpse bride is there. Like she followed Victor to the bridge. And what kind of, what what I really like this next moment is is the camera is spinning around. This is a DSLR camera that is being used in this in this scene. But well, not just this scene, but the entire movie as well, because Tim Burton used a, a DSLR camera for the for the entire film instead of his you know 35 millimeter camera. So this camera spins around, spins around as if something was gonna happen, and the corpse bribe. Leans in on Victor and says, "You may now kiss the bride." And she kisses. She kisses Victor. And this next scene opens up with uh, Victor in um, the land of the dead. Like he wakes up in the land of the dead, and Victor wakes up in the land of the dead, a realm that is far more colorful and whimsical. Like this land of the dead, it's a colorful it's a it's a colorful and whimsical realm so there's like color in this in this in this land there's like color in this realm in in this realm that victor wo just woke up to like like victor thinks that he is in hell but but the thing is this is the land of the dead so me basically he's meaning all the dead people in this realm and he's like wake up wake up wake up he thinks he's having a nightmare but that's not true because um Victor is still alive. Victor is alive, and he's all in, he's he's all he's alive. He's not dead. He's not a corpse. I mean, Victor is not a corpse. He's still alive, and he sees all the other characters in the land of the dead, or basically having a good time. Like they're in this bar. They're in this bar celebrating the uh, newlyweds. You get this one dwarf character. His name is General Bones Apart, which is. <laughs> Like, oh my goodness, Bones Apart, General Bones Apart. Like, he's being voiced by Deep Roy, and Bones Apart, he, he's basically Napoleon Bonaparte. Very clever, Tim Burton. Ha ha ha, very funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, Bones Apart, General Bones Apart is like, a toast to the newlyweds. <laughs> it's just, oh my goodness. And then you get all the other characters too. Like, he even sees this uh, elderly chef. Uh, he sees this elderly chef. is like, oh my, a new arrival! So he meets this uh, waiter who's basically, uh, basically a decapitated head. He's French, by the way. And he comes on in. He's basically floating on bugs because obviously he's a decapitated head. He's like, bonjour! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! We got a new, we got newlyweds! And then... And then he sees a room, also sees a room, he also sees a skeleton band as well, and they're all having a blast, and Victor's like, what's going on? Where am I? I want, uh, questions. I got this, uh, dwarf in my hand, and I want questions. Where am I? Bones Apart's like, uh, answers. I think you're asking for answers. And then Victor's like, oh, thank you. What's going on? Uh, what, what the chorus bride, her name is, um, her name is, um, her name is Emily, by the way. That's that's her name. Emily's the corpse bride, and and Emily's like, well, it's a long story, but we get this moment from um, <clears throat> Bone Jangles, who is who is basically a 
who's a, who's a skeleton and he's uh he's he's the leader of the skeleton band and and bone jangles is like what a story it is a tragic tale of the corpse bride and bone jangles is being voiced by danny elfman like you have danny elfman writing the music and he's playing a character and he's he's playing a character in this movie named bone jangles is bone jangles related to jack skellington because Danny Elfman did the singing did the singing portion for Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas. So is Bone Jangles related to Jack Skellington? Just asking. So anyway, uh Bone Jangles um just opens up a musical number called Remains of the called the Remains of the Day and and it's a very good song. Remains of the Day is Remains of the Day is actually my favorite song of this from this movie like I mean, to be honest, it's basically your exposition dump for for the most part, but it, it is a very good song. It's got a jazz tune to it. Like this song features a skeleton, a skeleton playing a piano, which uh, wh who is wearing sunglasses, obviously references to uh, Ray Charles playing piano. He also wears sunglasses too. And Bo and Bone Jangles is having a blast with this song. Like he's he's telling the story of uh, of uh, of the corpse bride, like. Like, like, Victor wants to know, like, why is he in this realm? Why is he with this corpse bride? And, and it's a very fun, upbeat, jazz-like musical number. And it's very good. And Danny Elfman, I gotta get props to Danny Elfman. He really delivered. He, he delivers this song very, very well. Like, the lyrics are literally describing, like, the whole, the whole corpse bride situation. But also, like, the realm as well. It's like, it's basically, like, here are the lyrics for this. Die, die, we all pass away, but don't we, don't wear a frown, cause it's really okay. You might try and hide, you might try and pray, but we all end up the remains of the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, those are the lyrics. Like, those are some of the lyrics that, that are being played in this musical number. Like, part of this exposition goes into Emily. Like, like Bone Jangles explains, uh, explains the situation. He says, here are the lyrics for this. Well, our girl, our girl is a beauty, known for miles around. When a mysterious stranger came into town, he's plenty good-looking, but down in his cash, and our poor little baby, she fell hard and fast. When her daddy said no, she just couldn't cope, so our lovers came up with a plan to elope. Like, those are the, those are the lyrics. It introduces uh, Emily, who is basically a, um, a, who's a girl beauty, known, who's very well-known in her beauty, and... She meets this strange who she meets this stranger. It's it's a mysterious stranger who came into town, plenty good looking. Like so, basically, she thinks this stranger is nice and and good look good looking. So so they wanted to, so they wanted to meet up again. But uh, but Emily's dad's like no 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 we can't let we cannot let this happen. So they decided to you know plan plan to meet up late at night and they told not a soul. So no so. Emily and this stranger told nobody about this whole situation, but uh, but um, for, but she also wears she also wears her mother's wedding dress to fit like a glove. Those are some of the lyrics again. Here 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 we are going back to the lyric, going to the lyrics of the song. Now her mother's wedding dress fit like a glove. You don't need much when you're really in love, except for a few things or some told like the family jewels and the snatchel of gold. Then the ne then next to the graveyard by the old oak tree on a dark Foggy night at a quarter to three, she was ready to go, but where was he? Like, like Emily is all ready. Like he's ready to. Um, I'm pretty sure they're about to get married, which is what I'm. Which is what Bone Jangles is saying. 
because uh, Emily is wearing her mom's wedding dress to to uh, get married to this stra to this stranger, and it was a quarter to three, dark and fog. It was a dark, foggy night, and and then the thing. But what really happens next, and during this song, is that Emily was killed. Like she was left for dead. Like she was left for dead. Like where was this stranger? What really happened? Well, it turns out part of the well. Here's a lyric for this one. There in the shadows, was it her man? And then, her little heart beat so loud. And then, and then, baby, everything went black. Like, those are the lyrics. But what we see in the scene is, like, Emily's in complete shock. She sees this Jack the Ripper-like stranger. And he literally go, he goes after, after Emily. Like, he kills her. So, he, like, and he kills her. Well, do we know who this, who the stranger was who, uh, who left Emily for dead? Well, um, well, I will explain more of that later on. But anyway, uh, Bone Jangles finished the song, and Victor just runs out of the bar. Like, he, he has enough of this. He wants to get out of this hellhole and go back to the real world. Like, Victor is freaking out, saying, Oh, Josh, listen, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Like, like he's, he's scared to death. Like, he never, like, he just met this corpse bride even though it was more of an accident, it was more of a, an accidental situation, but Emily was like, Victor, where are you, Victor? Like, she's trying to find Victor because, obviously, because uh, Victor and Emily are basically newlyweds. And, and what I like about the, what I like about this chase sequence a little bit is, like, Victor is just basically trying to hide from Emily. Like, he hides in, the, like, he, he hides in this coffin pretending that he's dead, and then, and then he gets awakened by this uh, black widow spider. Like this, the spider's like, "Oh, oh, you, oh, you're married. Well, I'm a black widow." And then Victor's like, "Go away, spider!" Like he hits the spider, and then the spider's like, "Look, Emily, Victor's getting away." <laughs> it's just, oh my goodness. And then Victor climbs up the walls like he's like he climbs up this he climbs up this cliff like he's Spider Man. And then Emily looks down at Victor and is like, "You know, you can use the stairs, right?" So basically, um, it's Victor and it's Victor and Emily now for the moment, and and Victor tries to explain the whole situation, but Emily um, reunites Victor, reunites, but Emily uh, gives Victor a a wedding gift, and and the wedding gift actually turns out to be Victor's long dead dog, Scraps, and the two bond. Scraps and Victor bond together, and Victor is so happy, like. We see Victor being so happy in this scene because he just realized he realizes that Emily Emily just gave Victor a wedding gift, which is basically Victor's dead dog Scraps. Like he misses Scraps, and it's also revealed that um, that Victor's mom would not allow Scraps in the house. Would not not allow Scraps is a and Scraps is a dog. Scraps is the the the, the name of the dog that uh, Victor bought it over. And it's a very heartwarming moment, too, knowing the fact that Victor just, you know, like, Victor just just reunited with his long, with his long dead dog as a wedding gift from Emily. Although Victor doesn't have a, have a wedding gift yet. So what does Victor do? What Victor does as a wedding gift, he tricks Emily into returning to the land of the living by claiming he wants her to meet his parents. So... And Emily is surprised, like Emily is getting a gift from Victor. So, so what they do now, 
Emily brings Victor to this uh, skeleton elder. I can't get his name. I can't get the characters. I can't get the can't get the name of the character, but he's being voiced by Michael Goff, who uh, vo- who played Alfred in the uh, in the Tim Burton Batman movies with Michael Keaton. And the the elder is a is a kindly ruler of the underworld who grants them temporary passage to the land of the living. And then before they go to the land of the living, uh. The elder tells the two, like, if you want to come back to the land of the dead, say the passage, hopscotch. Yeah, hopscotch. You know, like hopscotch, you know, like hopscotch as if you're... You, I, it sounds like you're jumping into different worlds. I'm pretty sure that's what it's basically what it means. Hopscotch, basically you're jumping over different, you're jumping over different uh, squares. But it could also be another meaning to jumping over different, uh, different realms. So I'm pretty sure that's what it means. So, uh, Victor and Emily are in the land of the living, and it's, and it's, and it's, and they're basically, they're in the land of the living, back in the forest of where they first met, and for a while, and for a while, it seems as though Emily is having a good time, too, like, she is, uh, ice skating on this, uh, on this icy gravel, and th- she's ice skating, and, and what comes next is, uh, Victor tells Emily to stay put, I'm gonna go find my folks, because he, he's trying to surprise, he's basically, Emily's waiting for the for for a surprise, but what Emily doesn't know is that Victor just left her in the forest just so he can go see Vic, just so he could go see Victoria. Even the crows notice it too. Like they're they're hanging around on the tree branches in the forest, and and they know something's up. They know something's up. So so later on, Victor goes to the Everglot Mansion to and he reunites with uh, Victoria. And confesses his wish to marry her as soon as possible. And and before Victor and Victoria can can share a kiss, Emily discovers the two, and and she's wondering like who is this? Wo-? Like she's wondering who is this woman? And and Victor is like, uh oh, like yeah, Victor, you done it again. You screwed up big time. <laughs> like Victor screwed up the whole wedding. Like Victor screwed up the whole wedding rehearsal, and now. She cheats on, and now, and then he cheats on, em- and then he cheats on Emily. Yeah, yeah. Victor got caught in the crossfire. Yeah, he just got, he just got caught cheating. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. Victor is screwed now. And then Emily feels betrayed. Like Emily, Emily feels betrayed, and like she feels betrayed and hurt, and drags victor back to the land of the dead and and she says hopscotch emily says hopscotch with an angry look on her face like she is mad like she is mad right now emily is mad as hell right now as as she drags victor back to the land of the dead and victor scream screams for victoria's name like he screams her name victoria he screams for help as Victor gets dragged back to the land of the dead. And yes, yes, Victor is back in the land of the dead. And Emily is so upset. Like, she's so upset. Like, Emily is like, Victor, you try to leave me for her? She's the other woman. But Victor is trying to explain. Like, this whole, this is a whole, this is a misunderstanding. Like, she's trying, like, he's trying to tell Emily that Emily's the other woman. And Victoria is Vic- Victor's love. But, um, but of course... Emily said Emily says, "No, I'm your girl. Victoria's the other woman." And, <laughs> and and 
and the elderly skeleton who uh, was able to help bring Victor and Emily back to the land of the living. He's like, he's just up there saying, she's got a point. Boom. Gotcha. You gotcha, Victor. <laughs> sucks for Victor. Really sucks for Victor, knowing the fact that he just, that he just messed everything up. He screwed, he just, he just literally screwed himself over, man. And Emily feels bad, man. Like, she feels real, real bad. She is upset. And and what and the, one of the final blows of this conversation comes is when is basically Victor. I forgot what Victor said, but it literally splits the two apart. It's like Victor's like maybe we're not meant to be together. That's basically a final blow. I forgot what the line was, but it was a but it was like a line that literally the final nail in the coffin, no pun intended, for Emily and Victor to split up. And it's real sad too. But anyway, later on, um. But anyway, later on, like like back in her room, she's upset and and she sees the black widow and of course a uh, maggot in her inside her head and this maggot and this uh, maggot is basically Emily's sarcastic friend who lives inside her head and acts as her conscience and he's being played by N right he's being voiced by N Raito although N Raito is basically putting in this Peter Lorre like voice like. Obviously, basically, uh, a parody of Peter, Peter Lorre, this for a voice impression. So, uh, the three have this conversation, and it does lead lead into another musical number. Basically, um, basically, it's a it's a, it's a depressing musical number, as it, as it was a way to cheer up Emily, but also telling you know telling him maybe maybe Emily and Victor should get to know each know each other a little more, like. That's like this whole musical number, which it which ends with Victoria shedding a tear as it drops down in front of the maggot and the Black Widow. And the two leave, the two leave. Going back to the land of the living, uh, Victoria tries to tell her parents of Victor's situation, but nobody believes her. They assume he has left her and she is going mad. But but the thing is, like 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 this comes this comes in full circle when um. When Victor's parents and Victoria's parents are having this conversation, and when Lord Barkus comes on in to bring in the news from this um, bellhop guy that we to this uh, bell ringing news report to this bell to this bell ringing news reporter, um, who's basically the town crier, who's basically the town crier, who's who's basically who's basically the town crier, but I, I see him as more as a uh, news reporting bell as his bell ringing news reporter. About the Victorian era, who's like, Hear me, hear me! Victor Benjamin has met with this mystery woman! Like, Lord Barkus just brings this, just brings this town crier in, and to literally spread in the news about that Victor has gone off with, gone off with this woman. But what they don't know is that, that Victor is off with this corpse, that Victor is going with this corpse bride. They don't know that it was, that this woman is a corpse bride. But Victoria knows of this chorus bride, but the parents, but the parents don't believe her. But of course, but any, but and of course, but, but the result of that, um, so Victoria's parents literally locked Victoria up in her room. Well, she tries to escape. Well, she escapes once in the night, in the middle of the night, just to go see see Pastor Goswell. He sees Victoria out in the rain. He's like, "What are you doing out there?" And Victoria tries to explain to the pastor that Victor is with a corpse bride. At one point, the pastor is like, okay, okay, we'll have this conversation. Come with me. Like, Victoria and the pastor have this conversation, but it turns out that 
the pastor brings Victoria back back to the Everglade mansion. He tells the parents that that Victoria speaking in tongues and unholy alliances, basically believing that Victoria is crazy. That's what's going on. The pastor and the parents are believe that Victoria is going crazy, all because she sees Victor with a corpse bride, and she gets locked up in her room again. And then Lord Barkus comes on in and talks to the parents, saying like, "Oh my goodness, this this poor child. I was once betrothed, but it never went through." Like it's it's revealed that Lord Barkus that Lord Barkus was 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 going to uh, marry a woman at one point. He was once betrothed, but it never went through. He he talks to Victoria's parents, and they actually came to an agreement to you know have the wedding continue on, have Victoria be wed to Lord Barkus. This this was arranged according to plan. We get this next scene where um where Victoria and Lord Barkus are getting mar- are ba- are getting married. So they're basically getting married, and so they're basically they're basically the newlyweds. So later on, back in the land of the dead. Victor and Emily reconciled, and they learned to get along. They reconciled by playing a piano, and it's a very cute moment too. Like, like we see the two getting along. They're setting, like we see the two setting their differences aside and play piano for fun. And they all they laugh and they laugh, and of course they just they just they just love playing piano. They just play the piano, you know, and they cheered each other up. It's just a heartwarming moment, and then um, Victor and Emily they hear uh, the the barbell ring. The barbell they hear the barbell going off, realizing that there is a uh, there is a new arrival. So so everybody in the bar, so everybody in the land of the dead come come to the bar. They to check out who's the new of who's the new uh, who's the new arrival. Well, it turns out it's a uh, it's a coachman named Mayhew, and Mayhew is the Van Dort's smoking coachman. And what I mean by smoking, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, uh, oh, he's, uh, smoking hot. I'm talking about he's smoking, like, like he's a, uh, like he's a smoker, if you know what I'm saying. But, um, well, you're probably wondering, how did Mayhew end up, uh, you're probably wondering, how did Mayhew end up in the land of the dead? Well, I guess you could say it's pretty obvious that he's a smoke, that he's a smoker. But it turns out, like, like, Mayhew was dri- was driving the carriage with, uh, Victor's parents to, to go on this mission to find Victor, but uh, May May but Mayhew dies from coughing because he was coughing himself to death, lost consciousness and and a, and a breath of air, and he turns blue like he turns blue like he turns blue after losing air and falls off the carriage, getting run over and left for dead and left for dead. Like that's how Mayhew died, and and Victor's parents were were in that carriage. They were still in that carriage and as the as as the carriage was riding off. And by the way, that's the end of Victor's parents. We don't see Victor's parents throughout the rest of the movie. So you're probably wondering, what happened to Victor's parents? We don't see him after that scene. So what happened? I mean, I don't know. It's left up the it's left up in the air. So I don't know what really happened to them. So they're they're probably still alive in that carriage, but I'm not really sure to be honest. I mean, it does like the film doesn't really explain what doesn't really explain the aftermath of Victor's parents. But anyway, um, uh, Victor sees Mayhew, like he sees Mayhew, who's being played by Paul Whitehouse. He's he's actually happy to see uh, Mayhew. He's like, and Mayhew is like, oh hey Victor, oh it's good to see you. I'm doing fine. And like Victor's like he he wonder he's wondering what happened to uh, Victoria and everybody else. Well, May he tells him that 
that Victoria is married to this um, to this person. Like he didn't tell he didn't he didn't he didn't remember who the person was. Well, it was obviously Lord Barkus, and and Victor was upset by the news. He's so upset by the news. He he decides to marry Emily properly, learning that this will require him to repeat his wedding vows with her in the land of the living and drink the wine of ages, a poison in order to join Emily in death. Like the elderly skeleton explains to Victor that if he drinks the wine of ages, like he goes on this path, drink the wine of ages, he will never again go back to the land of the living. And Victor accepts this. Like he decides to like accept the marriage, get get married to uh, to Emily and take it upstairs, which is basically the land of the living. So he invites everybody in the, in the land of the dead to like meet to like come together and get ready for a wedding. Which leads us to another musical number by Danny Elfman, which is basically the wedding song. A wedding, a wedding, like a wedding, a wedding. Like it's a very it's a very whimsical musical number. Like I really like how like everybody in the land of the dead, like literally they're literally getting ready for the wedding. Like like we see all the black widows uh uh sewing up Victor's suit. We see we even see like everybody we see we even see um we even see the we even see this elderly woman who is basically the chef from that bar who's baking a cake, baking a wedding cake and everybody and all the and all and all and the rest of the and the rest of the land of the dead are getting ready for for, for a wedding so uh so after the song um we cut back to the everglot mansion where it's very it's very depressing it's a very depressing <laughs> it's a very it's a depressing uh depressing hall at that moment where everybody is just basically at the table at this long table they're about to have this wedding cake, and I really, actually really like the the line that Mayhew dropped on the uh, Victoria marrying to Lord Barkus, saying like, "Oh well, they're probably doing they're 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 doing this wedding just so they don't waste the wedding cake." Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh well, to be fair, well you can't waste a wedding cake, so um, so there's so there's that. But um, Lord Barkus was about to deliver a deliver a toast and. He noticed, uh, noticed something is up. He noticed something is up. Like he realized, he noticed something is up. Something is up. Like the land of the dead is coming to the land of the living, and everybody's freaking out. Like it all started when um, Victoria's dad looks down in the soup and sees an eye, and he's like, "There's an eye in me soup." Everybody, everybody in the room, everybody in in the room screams. Even Lord Barkus hides under a table, like. Like Lord Barkus hides under a table. He's scared, and everybody else just runs for co everybody else just runs away. Even the the Everglots, even the Everglots butler runs out of the situation. Runs out of the situation. He's like, screw this, I'm out of here. And then like everybody, like all the all the characters from the Land of the Dead are coming up, are literally popping up. Even uh, even uh, the even uh, Victoria's father sees his sees one of his great grandfathers. And this great grandfather sees uh, sees his great grandson. He's like, "Hey, hey, grandson, hey, sonny!" And the Everglots screamed. They freaked out. They hide in their bedrooms. And that's the last we see of the Everglots. Like we don't see the Everglots for the rest of the movie. Like they hide in the bed in the bedroom of their uh, mansion. And it's just pure chaos, as if all hell was breaking loose. And and what comes next is that. Is that a kid? One of the, one of the one of the kids from the land of the living sees uh, one of the members of the land of the dead as his um, as his grandpa. Like every like he sees his um, grandpa. Like he, it's basically his dead grandfather. 
which leads to the moment where everybody in the village realizes that they're, they're that, that is their dead relatives. They all mean their dead relatives and friends, especially and their dead relatives and friends. Like it's as if they as if they missed each other. So what comes next? So what comes next is uh, Lord Barkus crawling out of the table and and he's basically he's basically telling Victoria, "All right, that's it." We're gonna, we're gonna gather every single money we can and leave this place. It's but it turns out it was revealed that Barkus Barkus just exposed his own financial situation, saying that he's basically a poor he's basically poor. So um so basically Barkus so yeah basically Barkus exposed his own poor financial standing and his intentions to marry Victoria only for her supposed wealth. Like he thinks Victoria is wealthy, but but that's not the case because uh, remember in the beginning, Victor is wealthy. Victoria is not wealthy. So basically, Victoria and Barkus are both poor people, and this leads to this leads to a reject from Victoria. Like Victoria rejects Lord Barkus according to plan. And what comes next? Like like every like Victoria witnesses Victor and Emily's uh, wedding as Victor is coming close to completing his vows and prepares to drink the poison. And actually, before that, uh, we cut to all the to all the members. Of, to, we cut to the land of the dead going inside this church, and Pastor Coswell is like, "No, you shall not enter this church. Go back, back, back." But one of the members of the land of the dead tells the pastor, "Keep it down. We're the church." Like, oh my goodness, they just roasted the pastor. Wow, like. In this movie, like the, the land of the dead just roasted the pasture. Like like the pasture's like, what just happened? Yeah, you got yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some some creature from the yeah, some some creature from the land of the dead just roasted you. Telling you telling you that telling you to keep it down, we're in church. Yeah. But anyway, uh going back to uh, going back to Emily and Victor um, Victor and Emily are basically, uh, completing their vows as they, as Victor prepares to drink the poison, only for Emily to stop him when she realizes she is denying Victoria her chance to live happily with him. And just as Emily reuni reunites Victor and Victoria, Lord Barkus arrives to kidnap Victoria, and, and, and Barkus is like, oh, I'm, I really love a happy ending, but you are forgetting one thing. Victoria, it's still my wife. Like he's he's about to take Victoria hostage, only for Emily to recognize Barkus. Like, she, like Bar, like Emily sees Lord Barkus, and Barkus is like, Emily, and Barkus is like, what? I, I left you, and Emily says, for dead. So it turns out, it turns out that Lord Barkus was the one who left Emily for dead. So basically, Emily, not only the chorus bride, but but he left her for dead. Like he left her for like he left her for dead. Like, wow. Like like Barkus is a murderer, a psychopath who killed his supposed fiance. And and Barkus is like, this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. Like he tries to leave with Victoria. He has has her hostage with a with with a. With 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 bones apart sword. Can't believe I'm saying this. Bones apart, like bones apart. He like he he takes bones apart bones apart sword from him, 
to like like to like torture Victoria and, and basically telling everyone if anybody comes any close, this woman gets it. But Victor is like, take your hands off of her. So Victor and Barkus get into a fight, and it's a and it's a fight in the church. It's a pretty cool fight, knowing the fact that Victor has the upper. Technically, Victor has the upper hand because Barkus is basically being he's being foolish in the fight. Barkus was about to was about to stab Victor with with the sword, but Emily comes on in and gets stabbed by Barkus by Barkus, and Barkus is like touche, my dear. But Emily tells Barkus to get out. But before Barkus leaves. He he accepts his defeat and he mockingly toasts Emily for dying. He mockingly toasts Emily for dying. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And Vargas's last line before he uh, drinks the the wine, he doesn't know it's the uh, the wine of ages, the poison wine that the elderly skeleton put out. It was supposed to be for Victor, but. Lord Barkus just snatches up. And here's what Lord Barkus said to Emily as his last line. Tell me, my dear, can a heart still break once it's stopped beating? That's his last line. Like, like, can a heart still break once it's stopped beating? Like, I don't know what that line means, but I think, but I think the scene speaks for itself. Once Lord Barkus drinks the, um, drinks the, drinks the wine, he's about to walk away, but... The, the maggot, uh, one of Emily's friends, Rue wants to like really wants to kill this guy, but but the but the el but the elderly scouts was like, wait, we must not intervene. Let reality sink in, and it really does because uh, um because uh, Lord Barkus's heart stops beating and his face turns blue, like he's dying, like Lord Barkus is dying, and. And 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 was literally like this is literally karma for uh, for Lord Barkus. So what com was basically so what comes well, so what comes in like he he is dying like Lord Barkus is dying, allowing the dead who cannot interfere with in the affairs of the living to take retribution against him for his crimes. So they took Lord Barkus to the land of the dead, and I really like this last line from from the chef. As she's about to uh, close the door, as she's about to close the door, and she says, "New arrival." Yep, they got a new arrival. The door closes, and that's it. Everybody, that's it. Lord Barkus is dead, and so and the land of the dead are basically back. Well, well, except for the elderly skeleton, I'm pretty sure he goes back too. So everything's all set, all set and done. So Emily, now freed from her torment releases Victor of his vow to marry her and returns his ring, allowing him to marry Victoria. And as she steps into the moonlight, and she, she goes into this moonlight, and as she steps into the moonlight, she transforms into a swarm of butterflies that fly into the sky as Victor and Victoria watch and embrace. And that's the end of the movie. That's literally the end of the movie. And this last this last scene, what I really liked about, what I really loved about this scene is is how this scene comes in full circle from the beginning of the movie because Emily transforms into butterflies as as she is ascending into uh, into the into heaven. But the butterflies behind it is because uh, Victor had a butterfly in the beginning of the movie that he set free, and it's a blue butterfly. It's a blue butterfly that he sets free in the beginning of the movie, and we see 
see now, but and we see the blue butterfly, but it's multiple butter butterflies that are blue. Multiple blue butterflies that are flying in the air as they're ascending into heaven. And this resembles, this resembles Victor setting, setting them free, setting the butterflies free. It also resembles Emily. Like Victor just sets Emily free. And that's what we see from the butterflies. And, and it pays off very well. That's some very good foreshadowing. Like it pays off so well in this final scene as, um, as Victoria is ascending into heaven. And, and that's it. That is the end of the movie. That is Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. It's a pretty short film for the most part. And, and for what it's worth, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the T Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. The runtime of this movie is 77 minutes. Like, it's a 77 minute movie, which is still, which is still good. But, but for what it's worth, it's still a pretty good film. The stop motion animation is, is very, is very good. The stop motion animation is very good. The voice acting is very good too, particularly from Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. The music by Danny Elfman is very good too. Tim Burton's direction is very good as well, and I love the story behind it as well. In fact, this movie this movie was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film, but lost to another stop motion animated feature film, Wallace and Gromit's The Curse of the Rare Rabbits. Another good, uh, another good movie as well for stop motion animation. But other than that, not much else to say. I really enjoyed this movie. The acting is good. The music is good. The direction was good. Story was good too, and and the, and 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 so forth. Like everything in this movie was very, everything in this movie is very good. I wish the movie was a little longer. I know it, it, it is a, it does feel very short. But at the end of the day, I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it for what it is. A very good, a very good, very good movie. I see it as a very good movie. But anyway, um, what do you all think? What did you think of Tim Burton's Corpse Bride? Did, have you seen the movie? Did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? I would like to hear your thoughts. Thank you all for tuning in to Kodo Cinema. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Remember to watch movies, stay positive, and good night. Until next week.